The leaves are falling and the jack-o'-lanterns are lit. Winter will soon be here, but not before we face our fears. Embrace the darkness and ponder the oddities of the world. Welcome to the second annual Halloween episode of Strange by Nature. I'm your host, Kirk Mona, along with Victoria Thompson and Rachel Ginza. Armed with decades of experience, we are pleased to bring you all that is weird and wonderful about the natural world. Hello, listeners. It's Halloween. Hello. Oh my gosh, the chill in the air. I am so... So excited right now. I love We have some spooky (laughs) offerings for you this week. Oh, as we Uh, will. I certainly do. I always Mm -hmm. think throughout the year, like, what's what's the story I came across that I want to save? And I don't know about Mm -hmm. you too, but I I started to write this up for this story up for a different episode, and I'm like, no, (laughs) no, this is the Halloween one. (laughs) So Um, I actually had another idea, but then I, I came across this news item recently and it just seemed to fit the bill so it fit the season huh fit the Mm. season yes real quick before we get started i just have to know the most important question of the evening here of course um favorite candy favorite halloween candy bar what 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 Mm. what do we stand what are we what are we stealing from the children's baskets this year Mm. or buying for ourselves to binge in the dark (laughs) i go back and forth either between a reese's peanut butter cups or Almond Solid. Joy. Yeah. Almond Joy. Oh, That's a good one, joy. too. All right. Yeah. I like Kit Kat Rachel? and Twix a lot. Twix those is very cool. good. Those are all... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I like Twix those. in my top five. Ugh. I feel like I am uh, pro peanut butter cup. You can't mm-hmm. go wrong with that. Uh, you also... Uh, I'm going to steal any... Uh, <laughs> sadly, my, my, my child does not go trick-or-treating anymore, so I, I don't... <laughs> oh. I have to, I just go buy whatever candy I want. Um, we can't like trade stuff anymore. But uh, Kit, Kit Kats was always like, I'm, I'm yeah. going to take any Kit yeah. Kat I come across. And I like Crunch Bar. Those are uh, probably so better good. back when, when they used to have actual chocolate on them. They were better than when they were made out of chocolate flavored candy, which they legally are now. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I will also say that I love those uh, caramel apple suckers. <laughs> Those are also a favorite oh. of mine, huh. uh, even if they get stuck to the roof of my mouth all the time. Sure. And real quick, where do we stand on candy corn? Are we? No. I know. Is this? I, I like it fine. I don't get out, go out of my way to eat it, but I like I'm it okay. A hard this isn't like no. a pineapple situation. It, okay. No. I well, try it and then I immediately. How do you feel? Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason to have to have candy corn in my home. <laughs> that's divisive i hope i don't lose any listeners because of that i know i know people who are big on people either like eh, candy corn i can do without it or they're like candy corn is the greatest thing of all time they're you know, wrong like, okay okay uh, that's <laughs> wow you heard it here first folks rachel <laughs> telling people that their opinion their opinion mind you <laughs> is wrong i mean hot takes from rachel yeah it's candy hot corn takes rachel no <laughs> Before we lose any more listeners, we're just going <laughs> to dive right into Victoria's in. story yeah, this week, Victoria. I think. All right. got for us? Yes. For my terrifying Halloween offering, I bring you zombie robot spiders. Woohoo! <laughs> Hold on. This is a real thing? You got thing? me. You got me. Not where I thought this was going to go. All right, let's do it. 
Hold on, that's yeah. a real thing. Zombie yes. robot spiders. Yes. Rachel, you might want to get up and go lock your door because they could be right <laughs> outside your door. My door is locked. The call is coming from inside your house. Oh, no. For this, we have to thank PhD student Faye Yap and a team of engineers at Rice University. Thanks, Faye. Thanks. Yes, who, who recently published a paper in the journal Advanced Science, which is titled, brace yourself, Necrobotics. Colon, what? biotic materials <laughs> as ready-to-use actuators. What? Wait, hold on. Ne- necro as in like necromancy? Yes. They, they coined this term, necrobotics. Of course they did. Yes. No one else was going to use it. <laughs> necro. Oh, okay. Okay. Sure. All right, go just on. just, just mm-hmm. taking a quick survey here. What do you think this is about? I think it's about think zombie about robot implanting- spiders. Eat electrodes into dead spiders and using their muscles and whatnot to make a robot out of it. Pretty close, but not that high tech. Uh, All right. I think okay. it's about so, maybe like getting more silk out of the spider, maybe. I don't know. Challenge accepted. <laughs> so apparently this all stemmed from one of those questions that, you know, sometimes occurs to you when you observe things in nature. And the question was, why do spiders curl up their legs when they die? Uh, oh, okay. I guess, it turns yeah. out the answer that. to this has been known for a while, and but it's pretty strange. So when you or I or most other animals move our limbs, we make that motion happen with opposing muscle groups, okay? Mm-hmm. So for yeah. example, think about your arm. If your arm is straight and you want to bend it at the elbow, you use your biceps muscle. Right. That's on the sure. front of your upper arm, right? It flexes mm-hmm. the arm. If you want to straighten it again, you use your triceps muscle, which is on the back of your arm, and you extend the arm again, right? Victoria, yeah. my arm yep. is sore. I was just doing, I was just pressing apples yesterday. This is a lot. Well, of- you can just imagine yeah. moving your arm then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but spiders don't do this. They do have muscles oh. that flex hmm. their legs inward, but they don't have any muscles that oppose this action. Okay. Instead. Yeah, well, then, instead when they, they need to... Oh, you're, well, about go ahead. To you're about to say it. I would, they go for yeah. it. Yeah. When they need to extend their legs, they actually use hydraulic pressure. Ew. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yes. So there are mechanisms in the huh. spider's body that push the hemolymph, which is basically spider blood, into the legs at fairly high pressure when the spider needs to extend them. It has a little mechanism kind of, I guess, at the base of each leg that allows them to do this. Uh-huh. And this is actually a very space-efficient method of movement, um, and it okay. allows... So this, the space that would otherwise be taken up with the extensor muscles, yeah. uh, it allows the flexor muscles sure. to be that much stronger than they otherwise would. And so that helps spiders with tasks like web-building, jumping, and gripping prey. Right. Makes sense. Wow. Okay, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Okay, so on to zombie robot spiders. <laughs> or make, making, making the zombie robot spiders, or as the researchers call it, quote, fabrication of the necrobotic gripper, unquote. Okay. <laughs> I just love this paper. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, it was a very simple oh, procedure. Man. They, okay. euthan- they euthanized a wolf spider, a wolf spider, by freezing it. Okay. And okay. 
naturally all its eight little legs curled up because it no longer was exerting hydraulic pressure. Um, Then they punctured its back with a hypodermic needle and created an airtight seal by directing a drop of glue down the shaft of the needle onto the back of the spider. Okay. Thus sealing it. I'm sure that's how it was written in their paper, and they're like, how do we make putting a drop of super glue on a spider sound scientific? <laughs> yep. We're going to dr- direct the glue down the length of it. They had pictures <laughs> they, of yep. the drop of yeah. glue. Yes. Oh, amazing. Um, so then they attached a syringe to the hypodermic needle, and they were able to uh, push fluid through the needle into the spider and make the spider legs move. <laughs> Horrifying. By moving the plunger of the needle up and down. I mean, okay, w- <laughs> that's really cool, but also horrifying. Yes. You're just playing Aww. with the spider opening and closing its legs. <laughs> yep. I mean, yep. I've I've done something similar with an animal foot before. Uh, we had to preserve oh, a... Um, <laughs> we had to preserve, for, for, for teaching, the paw of a... Was an, what was it? Uh, some sort of animal. Oh, um, good. I'm we, glad it know, was some this... sort of animal, not a paw of a plant. <laughs> was it a raccoon? <clears throat> it might have been. Ra- I think it was actually an opossum. Mm. Opossum, um, okay. But when he cut, and it was dead. It was a roadkill. But when we had to cut this paw off, the tendons were there. And you could literally pull on the tendons one by one and like <laughs> make all the fingers oh move. And out, which was fascinating. Cause it is kind fascinating. Of thing. You're like, oh, okay. You could really start to understand how this system really works. Um Yep. In a way that an animal won't let you do when it's alive. It <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Most animals have objections to that. Mm-hmm. We're really Anywho. leaning into the horrifying yeah. aspects for Halloween here. Anyhow. Uh, that's, that's not for some people. Couldn't handle that. Yeah. Uh, so with this setup, they were able to have the zombie robot spider pick up and lift various things. Thus being an actuator in robotics language. Um, So things they had it pick up were another dead spider, uh, which was about, (laughs) about a third again, as heavy as the zombie spider. Yeah. What are we going to pick up? Well, I got a spider here. There's a great photo. Uh, Yeah. They also had them, had the, the, the zombie robot spider pluck a wire from a little led circuit board. Um, They had it pick up a, um, a foam little foam nugget that was kind of big, but not that heavy just okay. to like see how, how okay. wide a thing it could pick up. Huh. Yeah. So various, various things. And the, the gripper, <laughs> the gripper lasted for about two days until this spider corpse started to dehydrate and the joints became brittle. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. They did do okay. some initial tests involving coating a dead spider in beeswax to see if it would slow water loss and apparently mm. it did but they didn't i don't think they got as far as testing that robot so you're corpse. saying we have a little bit of time before we have to worry about our zombie yeah. spider robot overlord spiders. robot overlords yeah yes they and did make a little nervous about robot overlords the fact that now there are zombie spider robot potential overlords mm-hmm. nope oh my great uh, so the next challenge would be figuring out how to move the legs individually. Um, sure. And, you know, mm-hmm. their hope is that this actually, not that, uh, not that they envision these dead spiders actually being something that is useful, but more that the 
insights into the hydraulic mechanisms and so forth would be uh, helpful to robot designers because actually spiders are a pretty common source of inspiration for different robots. So this oh, yeah. could help sure. develop that that line. They're trying to make better uh, just robot uh, spiders in general as opposed to zombie robot spiders, which is not really the end game here. Indeed. Mm. Yes. I mean, that's okay. like slightly comforting. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that is. I feel comforted. Oh, well, I'm glad you they did make a little. You shouldn't be. They did, make, they did make a little nod at the end of the paper toward um, ethical questions related to this experiment and noted oh, that good. there's not really much literature about how to how to ethically euthanize a spider. Um, yeah. But, you know, they they did what they. The best they could, I guess. Sure. Yeah. All right. Right. So that was uh, that was my Halloween topic for this week. We're going to take a little break and see what Kirk has to scare us with. (laughs) (laughs) Today's creepy tale begins in the faraway land of Sulawesi, uh, Mm. which is one of the main islands of Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a beautiful tropical island full of lush forests. Uh, it's surrounded by rich coral reefs, and above all else, it is home to vampires. Oh. Yeah. Wait, Indonesia? Now, we did that. Uh huh. Okay. Like human vampires? Not, what, not where bats? you? What, not what you expected? No, I'm thinking Transylvania, Romania. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, vampire. Yeah, well, now, Let's go. We didn't. We we did not know about this for quite some time. Uh, you would think the the word would be out there uh, on the streets. Watch out for vampires. Uh, but we really didn't even know that they were there until they were discovered by uh, Yi Kai Ti, who by day studies coral reef fish for the Australian Museum Research Institute, but in mm-hmm. his spare time he's an amateur naturalist who, who loves to study Lepidoptera or butterflies. Uh, for the normals listening, vampire so butterflies. He, Vampire well, butterflies, a... vampire butterflies. Maybe. T <laughs> uh, was on a trip to Sulawesi, and he was excited to photograph some of the amazing butterflies found there. And he indeed got some great photos, but he got even more than he intended. You see, some of the butterflies he was observing uh, were in the milkweed butterfly family. So mm, mm-hmm. um, the best known example here in North America where we're, we are recording would be the monarch butterfly. Actually, it's probably one of the best known examples uh, in yeah. the world. Um, but there's many related species uh, found in the world that are considered to be uh, in this milkweed butterfly group. Okay. So when it comes to members of this group, uh, like the monarch, they have an interesting way of, uh, we'll say, feeding. Milkweed, butter- milkweed butterflies will scratch at plants with their feet and make them weep liquids that they can then drink with their proboscis. And um, interestingly, they're not doing this for nutrition, right? Right. Um, They actually do it to get other valuable compounds uh, that they need. And some of those compounds are um, pyrolyzidine alkaloids. So those are the ones that make the monarchs taste like so bad to birds. Oh, yeah. Right. That try to eat them. Mm-hmm. And monarchs as caterpillars are chowing down on milkweed leaves to get those alkaloids. Um, but they also need to top up, as it were, as adults by scratching at milkweed so they can lap up the alkaloids in the sap. 
Okay. And one thing that I learned that I hadn't realized is that these chemicals are used for more than just tasting bad, though. So they're they actually the, the same the same ones that make them taste bad are also used as pheromones to attract mates. Oh, okay. So when you're an adult butterfly who's trying to mate, uh, getting a good supply is critical. You actually sometimes see like a milkweed plant that is just covered with adult butterflies and they're kind of all going crazy. It's often the males who are trying to like hoard up uh, this chemical so they can like go out there and be like, ladies, right? <laughs> so hey. uh, they need, they, they have to get the, these chemicals. And I, I actually, I guess I had kind of assumed that they got all they needed when they were a caterpillar and that they then carried those through into adulthood. But no, they, they need to keep topping up uh, as an adult. I had so, always assumed what, that too. Right. Yeah. So what T and his friends observed over the, over the course of three days was that some butterflies have found a new rich source of pyrolyzidine uh, alkaloids. Oh, no. Other than milkweed. Oh no! They have become vampires. Oh they my goodness! We're feeding directly on caterpillars, <gasps> much like scratching, <gasps> scratching a plant to get at sap. The butterflies were scratching at caterpillars and then drinking from their wounds. Oh. No. And that's sad. What they observed <laughs> is that some of them would even come back. To the same victim oh. day after day. Rude. Which they oh, did, caterpillars. Incidentally, did not. They they were basically on vacation, so they when they observed this, so they didn't weren't able to like do a real long term study to find out if this had any impact on the mortality rate of caterpillars. Mm -hmm. um, but oof, that just sounds brutal because the caterpillars really couldn't get away as they were being scratched open and then like. Oh. <sighs> Like, you know, yeah, uh, devoured. Um, uh, now, some of this actually makes sense when you start to think about it, because caterpillars are likely a source of far more concentrated uh, pyrolyzidine alkaloids than than the plants are. Right. So sure. feeding on the source that is going to give you the greatest amount. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. They're the richest source around yeah. for a compound that means life or death. And also the chance to mate. So life and death for all of your offspring as well that could be born. So pretty, pretty wild. Um, now, one thing that kind of blew my mind is that by the end of their trip, T and company, as we'll call them, uh, had identified no less than seven different species of butterflies Whoa. that were engaging in this behavior on the island. Wow. Uh, that is, finding one would have been amazing. They found seven which was well, mind-blowing. Wow. That's a lot of vampires. Yeah, that's yes. um, many species of vampiric butterflies. Right? It could mean that vampirism in butterflies may actually be kind of common, but was just maybe never described before in scientific literature. Uh, recognizing that fact, T and his friend Jonathan Wei Sung um, teamed up with entomologist Ethan Butler and biologist David Lohman uh, to publish an article in the journal Ecology in September 2021. Um, and as much as I wish they had just gone with the term vampirism because it's right there for the taking, it's they right actually there. coined a new term. They coined a new term for what's going on. Come on, biologist. Got to go, go for the, the vampirism. No, they call it kleptopharmacophagy. Um, so okay. pharma, right. pharma, uh, pharmacophagy um, already existed. That's eating the chemicals you need to, um, 
other than those needed for nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, and klepto just means stealing. So we get They're the stealing. mouthful kleptopharmacophagy. Yeah. They're basically stealing uh, the, the, the nutrients that they need. Um, I, I think a simple vampire, vampirism would have sufficed, but, you know. Yeah. Kleptopharmacophagy yeah. is well, a cool word as well. It's a form I, I, of parasitism, though, isn't it? Really? It is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. my final thought for you is while you're out there on Halloween, beware of vampires for sure, but also watch out for kids dressed up as butterflies. <laughs> you never know where butterflies they, have gone. You never know. They might just try to scratch you with their feet and lap up your blood. Horrifying. <laughs> my <laughs> evil sources this week were the journal Ecology and Discover oh. Magazine. Oh, We're going to take a quick break and we'll get back and find out what other horrors we have in store for you on this special Halloween edition. Welcome back, listeners, um, uh, for our Halloween episode. There were a few options, like I said earlier, that I had in mind. But I really thought about it and I decided to go with a classic Rachel move and go back to the wonderful strangeness and horrors that is brought to us by the deep, deep ocean. Yay! Ooh. True to form. What a surprise. Thank you. It's either that or Australia. We're Mm. heading down around Antarctica. We're heading deep. About a thousand meters down. Oh. That's pretty deep. That's pretty deep. Mm -hmm. For... We're talking about what possibly could be the real life inspiration for the Kraken. Oh. <gasps> oh. oh. Both of you perked yes. up so quickly. Your head just went whoop. <laughs> um, I, I, lo- I love me some Kraken. Yep. So if you. That sounds, that sounds strange, Sam. I'm, I'm going to immediately regret saying that. <laughs> Sorry, children. Uh, Go on. <laughs> um, so if you didn't know, Kraken is like this mythologic sea creature. It's known to be taking to take down ships. It has like long tentacles and it, it's just this big fierce sea monster. Well like a giant octopus, basically. Like a giant octopus, more or less, yeah. Or it could be the colossal squid. Could, Could be. be. Um, to give context, the colossal squid is the largest by mass squid, um, but it's not the longest squid in the world. Um, right. That would be the giant squid. Um, just by forms, it's t- the giant squid has tentacles that go much further out than the colossal squid. However, the colossal squid is huge. Um. Uh-huh. We yeah. the first ever colossal squid that we were able to identify was in 1925, and it was found in the stomach of a dead sperm whale. Right. Oh yeah, they okay. don't. They do not like each other. No, they don't. Um, well, I mean, sperm, sperm whales, whales like to eat them. Yes, sperm I whales mean, like are their predator. They're, they're not. I meant they're not buddies. No. Right. No. Oftentimes, you will find sperm whales that. Um, have lots of scars all over them, and it's thought to be from colossal squids. Now, yeah. the next one that we were able to 
find wasn't until um, 1981. That was one that was captured alive uh, in a net. And then the largest one ever found, um, so far anyway, was found in 2007 in New Zealand. And it was uh, almost 1,100 pounds. Oh, wow, that's a big squid. That's big for a squid, yeah. <laughs> that's huge. Um, but we've the been able to find... would be a mite. <laughs> a bit <laughs> tough. <laughs> um, so these uh, colossal squid, we don't know a ton about them just because they spend so much of their lives down a thousand meters in the Southern Ocean, where not only is it cold, but dark, and it's actually really hard for scientists to go down there to do research. Yeah, it um, is. But the beaks that have been found in sperm whale stomachs um, suggest oh, that yeah, they yeah. could get anywhere from 1,300 to 1,500 pounds. Wow. Oh, man. Um, that is... A lot of the ones that we've been able to find or have been able to see that come up nearer to the surface are juvenile colossal squids, not the adults. Interesting. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, this squid also can get anywhere from 33 to 46 feet long. Oh. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, that's a... Big. That's okay. Let's let's do the math. Uh, that's about. That's big. Please. That's at Rachels? least six Rachels. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and his eye is actually it has the largest eye of any known creature. Like even that of the whales. Oh, how Literally, big? the eye is the size of a soccer ball. Um. <laughs> They're 27 centimeters or 20 or or 10.6 inches in diameter. That's just diameter. (laughs) So about the size of a soccer ball, which is pretty crazy. The other thing that's really cool uh, and actually is very strange, despite the size, because just the size itself makes this giant just crazy. um, They actually... uh, their tentacles so they have uh they have squid arms and then they have tentacles that's generally what a squid has and they have a large beak and a mantle which is kind of the part that is where their head and what is kind of their brain lives um but they have club like arms on Mm. their tentacles and they actually have a hook um, they have several hooks along around the two rows of the ends of their tentacles. So like they have their club uh, arms, but then they also on their tentacles, they have rotating hooks oh. on the edge to be able to gouge into prey. And it looks like nice. um, from what I could see from pictures and such, it looks like those are actually made out of like a similar material of as like their beak. Um, oh, so it's like a h- actual hard material. It's a hard right. material to help them like hold on and grip. Um, it's the only squid in his family that has hooks. Um, 
This they is like turning into more and more just, of an amazing Halloween costume as we go. I <laughs> truly. Um, they also like their suckers are super sharp and like will dig in. Um, oh. the tentacles, their suckers oh. will like dig oh. in. They're like toothed. Hence the scars on all those <clears throat> sperm whales. Hence the scars right, on all right. the sperm whales. Yeah. Um, and they often will fight with uh the sperm whales if they're about to be eaten which they should because you know they're being eaten um do we know what they eat good question um we don't know much we know that they we think scientists think that they eat um large fish and smaller squid maybe some almond joy yeah. Twix. Kit Kats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Crunch. Yeah. The, Kit Kat. It's kind of crazy. And they might actually use um, bioluminescence as well. But hmm. there's still research happening that. about that. <laughs> it's kind of huh. nuts. Yeah. I know they're pretty hard to track down and actually observe in their sort of mm-hmm. native habitat you know like we find one that gets caught in a net or washed up dead or something like that but that yeah to actually go down that deep where there's no light and just happen to stumble upon a creature that doesn't really want to be near you and mm-hmm. you're you know you're submersible with lights and stuff yeah yeah we like, don't nah. Yeah, nah. know much about else. them uh they're yes. still uh they're considered rare ish uh but we don't know we don't know. Um, we know that they live uh, around Antarctica and in the Southern Ocean, um, and that they feed on fish, at, probably. But we don't. We don't know. It's crazy, uh, especially because it's something that large. You think we would know more about it? You know, like we know a lot about the blue whale and where it lives Mm -hmm. and where Mm -hmm. uh, its life cycle and everything. And we don't, we know nothing (laughs) and it's amazing and huge and absolutely horrifying. (laughs) Very, very wonderfully cool. All right. Well, that's what I have for us on our spooktacular episode for Halloween. I hope you all enjoyed our spooky tales of zombies Krakens and uh, vampires. vampires. How could I forget? I already was just vampire, vampiric butterfly. You already blocked it out, right? Yeah, I did. Um, I did. Horrifying. Now we'll also point out this is also episode ninety, which means yeah, we're it just is. 10, ten episodes away from a hundred. Episode one hundred. Not sure what we're gonna do yet for our hundredth yeah. episode, but we'll uh, we'll try to come up with something uh, fun because actually our two year anniversary show is just a couple after that, so mm-hmm. we got a couple big episodes uh, coming up here in the near future. Oh, so exciting! Oh. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Have a wonderful and ride. safe Halloween this upcoming Monday. Candy. Please yeah, have enjoy so your much candy. candy. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's show. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop every Wednesday, and we love sharing this strange world with all of our listeners. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, that would be great. It lets other lovers of the strange discover the show. 
You can reach out to us on social media by searching for Strange by Nature Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can send us an email as well. Our address is contact at strangebynaturepodcast.com. If you want more information about the show, you can also check out our website, which is strangebynaturepodcast.com. Until next week, get outside, stay curious, and embrace the strange.